Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Iceland Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Well, I, I have a feeling, I have a distinct feeling, based off of the voicemail that I got from Scott Abansky, that he's going to jump in mid-episode. So and I think we should just get the show on the road and just, uh, and, yeah. and, and maybe we discover that Scott joins us at some time, maybe, maybe we don't. Uh, but in the meantime, welcome to, um, I don't know, episode like 40, 50, maybe. 30, 37. <laughs> 37 episode 37 of the wretched hive it is the wandavision episode as again for episode number four um the title of the episode was like pardon me for this interruption or some such Some, nonsense like that something like that i do have to give them credit i really do they have they have really done well with the episode titles uh i'm gonna go back uh the first one being filmed before a live studio audience second being don't touch that dial Third being Now in Color, which was, of course, the first color episode of the WandaVision series. And then the final one that aired just this past Friday, we interrupt this program. And this has kind of taken a turn from the rest of the series. Uh, and we'll get into that in just a second. If you have found The Wretched Hive, I am the Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. Joining me this morning, Dave, do not call me Harry Potter. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Greg. Nobody else is joining us this morning because nobody could give a goddamn about this show, apparently, except... For you and I, Dave, what are your thoughts on that? I, I do give a goddamn about this show. I'm enjoying this show. It was uh, it was a, a jarring but welcome return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as I remember it this time around. It was. And, and we're going to get into that. Uh, and I was – I, for one um, – I don't think this is a bad show, and I know that the other guys are super into it, and this is kind of why I'm bummed that Scott hasn't joined us, because um, uh, he wasn't on the, the he, I don't think he's done any of these WandaVision shows yet, has he? Has he was and he on I, the first one? He was on the first one, and I think he did half of the second one. And half of the second one, because... These shows are honestly right up Scott's alley. I, I think I think you, Dave, and Scott, these shows are specifically designed for because there are so many random Easter eggs, you know, and things that are entirely inconsequential to the rest of the plot, but but give giant nerdgasms to people who have been raised on comic books for the past fifty years. That uh, they're going gaga, and I know Scott is just dying to talk about this show. Um, and what do you know? There he right is. On, right on right cue. On cue Scott. <laughs> wow. I don't know what the hell happened. That was crazy. <laughs> it's, it, I was, it's called the morning, Scott. It happens every, every 24 hours or so as the earth rotates on its axis. You, you have not been in my world. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my God. Scott, uh, I, I was just saying... That you haven't joined us for very many of these. I, while I appreciate the show, I'm not enjoying the show. Uh, Dave, Dave is really enjoying the show. I was just saying how this show is designed for viewers like you and Dave, who really, really just go off on all of the Easter eggs that throw that they throw into these episodes. Just quick yeah. thoughts before we get started into the recap of the show. What are your thoughts, Scott? 
Yeah. Uh, oh, this the episode four, I think, is fantastic. Um, sorry, I'm getting my headset adjusted here. Um, uh, That's not a euphemism, folks. We are watching him do this live. <laughs> I, I literally just dunked my head in a hot shower for a second. I'm like, I have to wake up um, and, and deal with a crazy dog and a podcast. So, um, yeah, no, I, I really loved this episode. Um, I thought it was fantastic that they're finally bringing us into what I'm going to call the Marvel Cinematic Universe and not TV fantasy land. So I, I'm happy that it's now showing us that side of it. I'm super, super stoked for the show. And uh, I like that you, you previewed that, Greg, with you saying, I don't really like this show so much. I get it. I understand. But man, it is damn good. For me, it's damn good. I love it. And I think it's designed for guys like you guys. And it's not yeah, that I, I it's not that I actively dislike the show. I think, and especially after last night, because I really enjoyed last night's episode as well. Especially after last night, I wish they would have gone back and 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 done some different editing for this show because my my firm belief from the beginning is that starting this series with the TV homages was kind of a turnoff to the casual viewer, is what I'm going for. Yeah. And while and while there have been a ton of Easter eggs in there. I think that the 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 old sitcom style that they've gone with so far, people just aren't aren't that into, and it's not that interesting to people. Um, and I think that you and Dave and myself, to some extent, have enjoyed picking these shows apart specifically to find the references that really, in the greater scheme of things, have no meaning to the rest of the series. You know, we're yeah. picking out we're picking out comic book issues that are significant in the history of either the Avengers or Vision or Scarlet Witch. That means nothing to the rest of the show, but it means a lot to us. So well, that's, that's a it, fair that's a fair assessment. But I want to say this: while I agree with what you're saying, Greg, the problem with that for me is if you bring this show to where it started last night, it's dark. Uh, there is a moment on this show, uh, episode four, that is really dark and i think the lightness that you're seeing with the kind of what's kind of going on with this tv thing builds up to that moment and i know if you guys haven't talked about it sorry i jumped in a little bit late on that um we'll get to um we'll get to that moment but yeah if you suddenly start that off i mean that's that's like watching end game or you know not end game uh, infinity war the last 25 minutes and telling people don't worry it's gonna get lighter <laughs> yeah yeah well, let's get into it then. Let's go over just we'll take a, a few minutes and, and recap the episode. We start this time with a what we just what we thought was Geraldine, but we discover is Maria Rambo, who is was but, the but, young but real but Monica Rambo. Monica, Monica Rambo, sorry, Monica yeah. Rambo, who was the young girl in the Captain Marvel movies. We find her coming back after being snapped. So this is after that five year period. Um, and she is is re-emerging in the hospital room exactly where she disappeared. And I'm going to bring something up, and I'm sure you guys thought about it, but I want to at least have a, a couple of minutes of conversation before we go on with the rest of the show. If everybody reappears exactly where they were when they snapped away, doesn't that create a lot of problems? What about people who are flying in planes at that point? So I think I saw an interview. <clears throat> I think I saw an interview with the uh, Russo brothers, where they explained that the Hulk snap is is it's you know doing something like this is like a, a wish fulfillment exercise, and mm -hmm. that the Hulk brought everybody back safely. So if you were, for example, an airline passenger that disappeared in mid-flight, you reappeared on the ground. You didn't reappear, you know. 30,000 feet in the air and, and suffocate on a on a terrifying fall back to earth. 
or, or <laughs> it's just <laughs> one minute you're flying in the plane, the next minute you're you're falling from thirty thousand feet. Holy yeah. shit! It's just raining <laughs> raining bodies all over the place. And, and I don't know, Scott, if this is what you meant by the dark moment, but I thought it actually was a dark opening to the whole thing because it yeah, this is as, the first, as did i as did this is I. the first moment where we really examine you know what was the effect of the snap and the blip really like on the rest of the non-informed superhero world well, well we did have, just we to did be in a hospital and just to be in that hospital and suddenly people are just reappearing out of thin air around you we, yeah. we did have the spider-man far from home movie but I, I don't think that was super satisfying because they're all just like, oh, oh, we have to go. It's five years later and we still have to go back to high school and take finals. Oh, bummer. You know, and it, and I think this is a much more realistic interpretation yeah. of what, what that event must have been like. And, and, Greg, I, yeah. I, and I bought the Spider-Man Far From Home bit just because <clears throat> I think for kids or even teenagers, I think they would have a more a more casual, you know, laissez-faire reaction and attitude towards the whole thing. Yeah, I, I uh, did buy that, and that that movie is framed to be specifically from a teenager point of view, because that's the beauty of of Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it, there's more than just the little interview part in Far From Home. You see a scene on the basketball court where people are popping up, and it's kind of made light, like it's kind of funny that that's happening. And this, I think, took that dark turn. It's very, like, terrifying to see people just suddenly appearing. Like they, even when she's running through the hospital. There is one moment she runs into somebody as they're reforming, and it's yeah. that the look of terror on their face was just done so well. But yeah, that this is one of the dark moments. There's another dark moment coming up, so I yeah I'll jump into the, that when the recap just, is. The the whole last couple minutes are pretty grim. Um, no pun intended there. So, <laughs> but, but, it, but it does it does. But this episode is is significant because it it turns over a fair number of cards that weren't necessarily mysteries inherent to the show or the storyline, but just kind of unanswered questions. And yeah. a lot of those get answered in this episode. And one of them has been, where does this take place on the this MCU timeline? And mm-hmm. the answer we now have pretty firmly is, this is about a month after the events of Endgame. Yeah, current time. Current, yeah. current time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we go from the cold open, we get a credit sequence, we go into the intro of who S.W.O.R.D. is, and S.W.O.R.D. is the S.H.I.E.L.D. counterpart, and it's a strategic weapons observation something, 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 something. something. Um, they, and, they, and there's they, a they, fun Easter egg there. They, they study aliens, and is what they is what they basically do, or alien, or or powered people, or powered aliens is what they is what they study. Uh, uh, Monica Rambo trying to go back to work has problems using her card. Obviously, after five years being uh, disappeared, there's obviously some and, kind of technical difficulties. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, and one, and for the record, if she was legally dead for five years, there is no way she is just back into society three weeks later. There's there is a whole. <laughs> There's a I'm whole process that goes today. on there. So I'm pretty sure she no longer had a place to live. I'm pretty sure her bank accounts were long since shut down. I guarantee the ATM card doesn't work anymore. She doesn't have a, a cell phone subscription. I'm just saying there is no way she successfully reinserts herself into society in three weeks. And there's no way I can say from real world experience that the government would handle that kind of calamitous you know, event in the space of three weeks and resolve it successfully. But there is a fun Fun is a strong word, but there is a recurring Easter egg that happens in that that segment, and that is the news station, mm-hmm. WHIH. That is a recurring used news station in multiple Marvel Cinematic Universe properties, oh, and nice. it is again present in the lobby of Sword uh, Sword Headquarters as Monica nice. walks through. I haven't noticed that one. I haven't noticed that one. She, it, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, if, if, 
if there is is a TV news crew reporting and they identify themselves, odds are it's WHIH, and they nice. got their start in the uh, Incredible Hulk movie. Nice, nice. So we we get a little conversation between uh, Monica and who turns out to be her her boss now, and there's some controversy about the boss because she has been gone off the world for five years, and she's there's a there's a kind of a throwaway line where she's it says she's being assigned to terrestrial missions only, leading to the uh, the fact that she has been assigned extraterrestrial missions up to this point, either searching for aliens or, or searching on alien worlds. So she has been, spent a better part of her career uh, in SWORD as somebody who is investigating aliens, but now she can only take missions that are based on the planet, interestingly enough, and that upsets and her. So It does, and that may explain why Nick Fury is off-planet at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. At the end of Spider-Man Far From Home, he maybe he's on a sword ship out in space somewhere. Uh, so she's assigned to this case of Westview, and she drives out. And it's funny how she stops at the edge of town uh, to meet up with uh, uh, Agent Wu, who we've seen in the Ant-Man movies. Um, and he does a little magic trick. Did you notice he does, that? He makes his, <laughs> makes his card appear. Which is a nod to, of course, to... Uh, he said he was going to take close-up magic tricks online after being inspired by Scott Lang, who spent the, his time learning close-up magic while being incarcerated at his house. So good nod to Ant-Man and a way to keep up the continuity there. Um, and they stop on the edge of the town and, and meet up with these cops who are also just sitting on the edge of town. I, thought, I found it a weird place that they would meet up. I mean, is it is it uh, – there's lots of weird in this episode, but uh, did, did anybody else find that kind of strange that they would just stop on the edge of town and just not I, think anything I, about it? I did find it weird, but I, I, the explanation I came up with in my head is that, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little here, but if the cops are acknowledging that Westview doesn't exist as a town, and there is some kind of magic spell affecting all the people immediately around Westview, mm-hmm. then the cops are probably programmed to keep people from going into Westview. So they yeah. probably, yeah, let's just meet right here. Oh, no, it's just, it's easy. There's a, you know, we'll just stop here. We'll turn you around. There's move along. There's nothing to see here. Yeah, you know, and that's interesting, and and I kind of I kind of go with that because the cops from Eastview, who have no knowledge of Westview, reference um, Agent Wu as a G man, which is kind of an old timey reference. People don't yes. really say G man these days. Right. So even Unless though you've they're been in a time capsule from 1953, <laughs> even <laughs> though they're part of the today world, they're kind of acting like the guys in the sitcomy world do. So yeah, I kind of I kind of do buy that. Um, she flies the drone into the into the force field. It disappears and turns into the helicopter helicopter that we all thought from before. Um, and then as she goes up to investigate and discovers the actual force field there, she's literally pulled into it. You know, uncontrollably yanked into it and disappears from sight. You know, leaving Agent Agent uh, Wu to be in in total bewilderment there. So she has been abducted by this town, whereas the other people seem to be. Residents of the town. They give a population of the town as 3,892 people. So we know there's about 4,000 people in that town there. And all of them are members of the town. Math is hard. We demonstrate that week after week on the Wretched Hive. But yes, that is excellent rounding there, Greg Letts. It's nearly 4,000 people. Nearly 4,000 people that are there. But, and I'm getting ahead of myself, not everybody. They go out of their way to identify many of the characters that we have seen on a recurring basis Mm -hmm. as townspeople, but not everybody. 
Yep. Uh, after the abduction, or after the uh, the uh, being sucked into the town, we get the big reintroduction to uh, Darcy, the science uh, the science sidekick from the Thor movie, the first two Thor movies, I should say. She disappeared in the third Thor movie along with uh, Jane Foster, but she's back now. I was glad to see her. Was anybody? Did anybody know she was coming up? Did anybody was everybody, yeah. was everybody as surprised as I was to see her? I didn't realize she, she was going to be coming back. Yeah, she's been an announced cast member and she's been, you know, in a blink and you'll miss it clip in some of the preview trailers. OK, I totally missed it then because I I, I, I saw her come up. I, I thought her character was was funny in the Thor movies and, and not terribly annoying. Uh, so I thought she was a welcome addition. And she actually provides some value to the show, too. Does uh, what's what are your guys thoughts on Darcy coming back? Love it. Love that she's a doctor now, not just an intern. Mm hmm. Love mm-hmm. that she's got the same uh, same sass that she did before. Exactly. Yes. yes. And, and I totally bought that she would be the one to make the connection of, hey, there's this weird background radiation. What happens if we plug an old school TV into it? Exactly. Smart, and I love that, and smart I love that enough she's to pull like, that out. <laughs> and I love that she's like, no, it has to be an old, not flat screen TV. <laughs> <laughs> because have you ever tried to plug an Atari 2600 into a, uh, a, a modern flat panel TV? You can't do it. You, can't you just do it. can't do it. <laughs> you need one of those little what were, UHF, VHF, switch prong things. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You need an adapter the, thing. The adapters, yes. Those uh, th- th- those just don't come out come around anywhere. You can, there's not even Radio Shacks anywhere you can go buy those things from. <laughs> That's Radio Shack is an online uh, place now. Oh, is, is it? it? Wow. Yeah, RadioShack.com. You can buy uh, TRS80 uh, t-shirts there now. So they start watching this TV show, discovering that it's a TV, and considering it's only half-hour TV shows, like. Is it the same well, so, show that goes over and over and over again? Like how the, how long does this show last? There's a big implication there that I do want to pause to talk about. And the implication is that there are episodes of WandaVision other than the ones that we're watching. Right? Because they're are like, they at one point, at one point, they're like, oh, we're into the 60s now? Oh, wait, we're into color TV now? I'm like, dude, okay. it takes 90 minutes to make the journey unless there's like a full season of Dick Van Dyke, a full season of Bewitched, and a full season of, of Brady Bunch. But yeah. I don't. I don't think so because, and I'm not, and and uh, well, I'm not going to say a full season. Could there be more than one? Sure, there could be. But the rate that they go through Wanda's pregnancy in the '70s episode—that's yes. not a full 24 or 12, even 12 episodes of a season. You know, and you figure back in the '60s, '70s ep- seasons were were 20 plus episodes long. Not like yes. today, where they're where you, you're lucky if you get 10. 20 plus so I don't think there's 20 plus episodes of of the 70s version of WandaVision because she just got pregnant and had babies way too fast. Yeah. Um well there is a moment where they do kind of let on that this is what's great about this episode but also absolutely bizarre. They're doing exactly what we're doing as an audience. I mean yes. we'll get to the we'll get to the the famous board now, the whiteboard, but um, they're watching the show just as we are based off of Darcy's character, but they're seeing something that they're seeing less of what we're actually seeing. We, we see the glitches. We see the moments. They don't see those. They just see an edit in those sequences as far as we've seen so far, if, if I remember correctly. But, um, so there could be other episodes that they're not seeing, but we're also not seeing. Yeah. But, yeah. So... They- they, they go they, they go through the scene with with uh, Debbie. I mean, Dave and I are calling her Cleo 
Scott, I'm sure you understand the reference there. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, and, and they, they don't see the part where she cuts her hand in the, uh, in, in on on their version of it that we saw on the episode two weeks ago, so right, right, which is not the only time that happens in the show. Mm-hmm. They make mm-hmm. they make a point later on of going back and saying, "Wait, something happened here when uh when uh, Monica is expelled from Westview." Yep. Yeah, Darcy even comments, "Somebody's editing this." So Scott, you brought up the whiteboard, which they're taking notes just like we all are. I thought, and that's a that's a really cool observation you just threw out there. Is yeah, they are exactly reacting to these episodes exactly as we did the past three weeks, and they're searching out all of the Easter eggs they can possibly get from this show. Two <laughs> things I, I really think funny. Go, actually. And I want to go down a rabbit hole on this really quick, and then I'll turn it over to you, Scott. But yeah, I think the danger of shows like this that put in a ton of Easter eggs is we start to ascribe meaning to things that have no meaning and aren't even necessarily Easter eggs. And it just, it, I will say a flaw in this for me is that it's felt like the first three episodes have turned into a giant MCU QAnon hunt in that we're all just, <laughs> we're all just looking for bullshit things that mean nothing and ascribing meaning to, and ascribing a meaning to them. And that is, that is kind of the danger zone that this show has entered into with all the geekdom stuff yeah, big difference though dave it's just a tv show <laughs> i know not actually not actually q so screw or is guys. it scott or is it <laughs> damn it greg i knew you were gonna bring that up um okay so can i can i take that dave yes, can i go, go. Okay. yes go for it go for it sorry so, thank you two things i'm gonna keep it as light as possible so we don't go down that rabbit hole but uh i do like that they put the ideas on a whiteboard. Anytime you see a whiteboard, you get this feeling like, oh, here's the breakdown. They're going to explain it to us. It's going to be funny because who uses whiteboards anymore? But um, here's the funny thing about it. Every question on the right-hand side of that board is everything we've been talking about on this show. Uh, other podcasts and other like YouTubers are out there talking about the same thing. Why, why t- uh, sitcoms? Why, you know, all these different things that they keep popping up. Like we're asking all the time. Um, but the big takeaway that I saw was on the left-hand side of the board, it has scrolls written on it with a big question mark next to it. So maybe this is the going down the rabbit hole QAnon TV version, but I think there's a big thing to say about that. There's a, there's a possible secret invasion or secret wars. Oh, I'm sorry, secret invasion connection here. It, it's certainly possible. And even if it isn't, I like the idea that they're they're putting it on their thought board of what could be going on here because they clearly yeah. know that scrolls exist because Captain Marvel was you know twenty plus years ago at this point. Yeah. So it, it's logical to me that a group like Sword, when encountering a phenomenon like this, would say, "Is it possible it's the scrolls? Let's just let's just throw it up there and see what happens." And and to put scrolls on the board, not only could they just be setting it up for something down the road, which I think is a great idea. We already know that they exist based off of Captain Marvel. Um, and, you know, knowing that we've seen, and well, it was, what else were they in? Um, uh, they were at, far the from home. Of Sp- at the Spider-Man. It was the, the Nick Fury that takes place in most of the movie is, is the scroll Talos. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So to have that happen. And then also the beginning dialogue between Monica Rambeau and her boss talks about what you said, Greg, she used to be in charge of extraterrestrial, uh, yeah. investigations and now she's on just terrestrial. So there's a lot of these little connections or pieces they're throwing in there, not just as e- Easter eggs, but I do think for setting up a bigger scroll invasion storyline. So, yeah, secret invasion. So, 
So on part of that whiteboard, kind of as Dave mentioned earlier, they're IDing who the neighbors are, and they're able to identify all these people that are part of the town. But who, the the people we don't see, uh, that we see a picture but no name, is for the Agnes, who's most likely at this point going to be Agatha Harkness. Um, and the other one that I didn't notice, and and Scott and Dave, maybe you guys saw it and I just didn't, was the 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 one we're calling Cleo. And Cleo is a famous Doctor Strange sidekick, and Doctor Strange is up, you know obviously rumored to be part of this show in some way, some form or another. And obviously Wanda's going to be in the next Doctor Strange movie. So having, so introducing Cleo here would make sense, at least to me. And that's the Dottie character? Dottie. Dottie, yeah. yes. And, thank yes. you. And thank neither, you. neither of them were on the board. No, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Agnes is on the board. But, but picture a, only. Picture only. Right. No, yeah. no ID. No driver's license. All the driver's license have New Jersey driver's license. So I yeah. found that very fascinating. Yeah. Right. Well, because that's because they're the citizens of Westview, New Jersey. Yeah. Yes. And she is uh, not. Um, we get the identity of the beekeeper. It's a, uh, a sword agent who went in through the underground sewers to try and infiltrate the, uh, the force field there. And he popped up and was sent back by Wanda. One interesting thing that comes up here is as he travels through past the barrier, his tether that they were holding on to turns into a jump rope. And when I they, love that. And when they pull it back, it's still a jump rope. Yes. So, so what changes inside stays the same on the outside. Also, which, his which hazmat we, suit turns into the beekeeper suit. Yes. Yeah, and we saw that with Geraldine, too. I mean, when uh, Monica Rambo gets her expelled, her 70s clothes. Yeah, yeah, she she's still in her, her groovy Foxy Cleopatra costume. It's just a nice callback to show that it's a consistent thing that's happening. With yeah. this town, um, and I love that the tether turned into the like shitty jump rope that I used in grade school when I was a kid. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so at this point, the episode really starts to 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 ramp up speed. We uh, we we get the reveal to the people outside the bubble that Wanda's pregnant, and I, I just got to throw a little shout out here to how great Randall Park is as Agent Wu in this episode right here. As they start talking about kids and Darcy asks him, do you want some? And he says, kids, a little Agent Wu, I would love to have it. I thought about it. And he gets in this full and she's offering him chips the whole time. He yeah. is a fucking comedic genius of an actor. He is <laughs> so funny. Like legit funny. I laughed out loud at that moment. I, I, I thought he was mad. And it just, it goes back. It's kind of like the close-up magic stuff that you were talking about earlier, Dave. The guy is really funny. I'm really appreciating that guy as a character in this whole, in this whole he, he, series right a, now. As an actor, he is just not afraid to go for it. Exactly. And that is, that is actually a rare and wonderful thing to find. But he is not afraid to go for it. And he gets humor out of instances that should just be stupid or throwaway, but he gets these like legitimate heartfelt humor moments out of them. Yeah. So, so as they're enjoying this show as we have been the past couple weeks, um, uh, uh, Monica slash Geraldine mentions his Ultron and it snaps, you know, not only does it, that it snap us into the real world and the characters in the real, it snaps the people watching it on the show into the real world as well. And they mention it as yeah. well. Also, it, it, it's and, this great meta moment, right? Because we're watching them watch the show have the same reaction. Uh, wait, exactly. did she just say Ultron? Wait, she said Ultron? That can't and, be right. And at that point, like Scott says, there's another one of those edits. And it just the episode just ends at that point. And we finally get to see what happens during all that when, when Wanda goes full on Scarlet Witch in a terrifying display of power, guys. I mean, come on. Were, were you guys as scared of her as I was at that point? Because she was actually terrifying. 
Yeah, <laughs> I and was... I think the show has built up the menace when she's had her little moments, but we don't get to see them. There's this feeling of dread, and then when you see what she can do, it's like... Plus, the fact that she is, now that we know, creating this reality, as mm-hmm. well, as far as the show's explaining, she's doing all that while creating this happening. Like, that's that's serious power, what's happening yeah. right there. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and I, was I scared of her? I, I honestly, no. But that's only because I was scared of her in Endgame when she comes back after the blip and she has her moment where you think for a second, oh, my God, she is going to kill Thanos. She is going to one on one straight up kill Thanos. And I just remember thinking, yeah, she loved the vision. And in her existence, the death of vision happened like 10 minutes ago. And you are getting full on Scarlet Witch, you know, Infinity Stone power, anger channeled right at you and by the way thanos you weren't ready for it she she caught you unexpected and she almost got away with and she i was gonna say she she has her moment but something happens in that moment where she can't have the full battle that she's gonna have right something's like yeah i I forget but there there is that moment where you just you see her doing it and you see the expression on her face and how she's playing i'm like yeah she's she's pissed and she's gonna take her vengeance and yeah, you were you weren't you had your back turned for a second. Well, I love the line in that film and this that line in that moment crosses over to the show where she says, you know, whatever she's saying to him. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. And that yeah. that you saw the anger from that point on. I'm just like, oh, my God, this woman is going to probably yeah. take out this part of the, the planet. <laughs> so so the debate right now is this is this some psychosis that she's having or is she being controlled slash possessed, you know, by somebody to and and to force her to do this stuff. And last week I was leaning for she's having a psychosis and she's going to be the villain. Um, I think I'm still leaning that way, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was either option. I wouldn't be surprised if it was either option, guys. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's going to be both. I think she is having the psychosis, and I think a an entity, whether it's Mephisto or somebody else, is like, oh, there's a psychosis going on here. Let's take advantage of that because that's mm-hmm. what these these cosmic beings do. They don't necessarily just do things themselves. They just kind of like, oh, I just have to, you know, give a little push here and look what's going to happen. Yeah. So she ejects uh, Monica violently out of the town. Uh, through walls, fences, everything that we we see it full on, you know, comic book style with the with the shape of the body through all the walls. Yes, that <laughs> was that was spot on visual effects done. By yeah. the way, that is exactly what it would have looked like on a comic book page. Exactly, yeah. and and so she realizes what she's done and and immediately goes to hide it. And this is where I think it's the psychosis and where she's not being controlled is because she just magically makes all the all the visual. Uh, evidence of it go away and then i think you get to the really as dark as that episode that scene was you get to i think what is really the darkness that i think yes. scott was was coming this, from this, when, yeah when, this when was vision the terrifying moment back, for me and a, a legit jump scare at this point when you see zombie vision come into the screen guys my I mean, god <laughs> this is worse than the version you saw when he does die yeah when he turns gray he yeah looks like a zombie like it's it's terrifying he, yeah he yeah he in the in Infinity War when he's killed, yeah. he just looks like he goes inanimate, mm-hmm. like you you know like you took the batteries out and the the toy died. Yeah, mm-hmm. this was this was freaky because the eyes were open and expressionless and he was moving around and talking with a giant hole in the middle of his forehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it just it was just like a, a bad Walking Dead comedy thing, but yeah. it was horrifying, not comedic. And 
Scott, speaking of deep dives, Greg. So Scott, what I was reminded of actually was the the zombie reference. And I was like, wow, they, they've made a point of referencing the Engelhart uh, Howell limited series from 1985, yeah. where one of the kickoff villains was Black Talon, who oh. was a voodoo priest right. and had a zombie army. Yeah. yeah. He dressed like yeah. a giant chicken, which was made fun of in Deadpool <laughs> several years later. But And by the way, it that, that scene in Deadpool where they make fun of Black Talon, if I can ever buy a page of comic art, it will be that like nine panel thing of Deadpool just looking at him in costume and just every panel just like laughing harder and harder and harder. And by the end of nine panels, Deadpool <laughs> is just lying flat on the ground going, I can't, I can't, I can't. I, I think at this point we do need to put up a, a picture of Black Talon for, specifically for Steve, because when you say he looks like a giant chicken, you are not lying. He looks no, like yeah. a giant chicken. <laughs> I, I'm not lying. I'm not even, there's no comedy involved in this. It's just a straight out, straight out factual yeah. statement. And yeah. so we get we get to the end of the episode, guys. Uh, a couple of big things I want to talk about here. Uh, zombie er, zombie vision is is healed by by Wanda's powers. He looks normal again. He says to her, "We can go wherever we want." And she references so, again, uh, I, "No, I, we can't." Go ahead, I, go ahead. I, I'm going to jump in and say I don't actually think that's not what what's going on. You say, "Oh, he's healed." I think what happened is we got a glimpse of what's actually going on. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. His 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 like his state like is, is second. Is, yeah, he's his he's zombified vision walking around the whole time, doing all this stuff with Wanda, <laughs> being romantic, romantic, yeah. happy father person, and he's yeah. actually like in the ground, dead, zombified vision for the last five years. Yeah, yes. because around. all because all of the other bodies are are there as well. So I think I think yeah. you are absolutely right there. Um, the line she she responds to him after that is, no, we can't. We can't go anywhere. They're trapped here. Much like everybody else has said, they're trapped, you know, previously. And Wanda finally realizes it as well that they're trapped there. But she is welcoming it. She's embracing it. She wants to be there. Yeah. Um, and then the... The, the series so far we get uh, monica on the outside saying it's all wanda it's all her doing she's the one in control this now whether she's being controlled or whether she's just going crazy that's the thing that still remains to be seen and the, yeah and, the, and this, the, is, the, this is this is the total the end of the show the total end of the show just gotta throw this out there voodoo child Jimi hendrix greatest Jimi hendrix song of all time guys. i, I voodoo, know i love that voodoo child <laughs> Seriously, which is that another listen. thing that made me go like, wait, is this? Are they going full black talent? Are they bringing black talent in? Because that would be a bold, unexpected choice. The audio, all the audio in this show are huge hints at things. Uh, Daydream Believer was the one mm -hmm. uh, when mm -hmm. Monica Rambeau, when we first see her get no uh, knocked out. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point, Dave. I also think there's another entity involved in this that we haven't talked about, and I think that's Nightmare. So we should talk about some of this stuff. Um, you know, it's it's funny who who could be the big bad because you know there's it's it's going to be an amalgamation of things. I don't think we I don't think we'll see a full on like black talent because you nobody buys the chicken <laughs> soup. I don't know that we'll see a Mephisto because nobody believes the devil, right? So uh, hang on, uh, yeah, I, I got I got to <laughs> jump in on that. There is for sharp eyed viewers, Mephisto does make an appearance in the Loki trailer. Oh really? Oh. There there is a bit where Owen Wilson is is doing something, but in the background of Owen Wilson there is a stained glass image of some kind. And if you look at the stained glass image, it's not what you would expect to see on a stained glass image. You expect these very, you know, Christian values or things like that. No, it's a it's a dude with horns on his head. It yeah. it's a Mephisto image on the stained glass window. Wow. 
So yeah, I'm just I'm just saying it's it's <clears throat> possible it might actually be Mephisto. There's there's other references to that too. Besides, we've talked about the devils in the detail and oh, he's other places too. Yeah. Um, the whole yeah. Agnes um, character uh, referencing this husband that we've never seen, Ralph. Yeah, and the rabbit is Mister Scratchy, which is Mr. a a nickname old, for the devil from the, the 19th century. Yeah, old Scratch. Yeah. Say yeah. what? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck are you guys talking about right now? <laughs> in, the, in the second episode, when she brings her pet bunny over, the bunny's yeah. nickname is is no. is old yeah. Scratch or something. That is I get that, that. is. Mister Scratchy is a reference to the devil. <laughs> yes. Hey. Hey, don't pull your G-man attitude on us, Greg. I know what's going on. You, know, you got to know your old timey. You're talk. just kind of a you're kind of a <laughs> square. You know that, and not a hexagon. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I apparently, according to you know the Google and the you know thousands of people who have nothing better to do on the internet, uh, it, the name of the rabbit is a reference to could potentially be a reference to a 19th century nickname for the devil. Yes. All right. Well, yeah. Learn something new every day, guys. This is what I've discovered. Mr. Scratchy. This is what we're here for. I thought that was just what I called my balls. That's all, that's all I thought that was. <laughs> that's why people tune in right there. Real, real heavy. All right. So, Steve, if you're paying attention at home, that's at 4510 that you're going to need to make an edit. Oh, my God. Uh-oh, are we going too far on this one? Shoot. Uh, well, we talked for a couple minutes beforehand, so we're, we're, we're just fine. But I think that is a good place to wrap things up. We've come to the end of the episode. Scott, this is your opportunity to jump in and get off your chest everything you've been building up for the past, I don't know, three weeks since you've been on the show with us? There's too much, but I will say for this episode, many things that we didn't reference, um, the, the issue numbers pop up everywhere in here. The first appearance of Vision shows up. Um, uh, Dave, you mentioned the 12 issue limited series from 1985 that shows mm -hmm. up. Uh, one thing that's really big, I mentioned audio here. It is. If you go back and watch the opening sequence, there is, there are voices that are appearing as Monica reappears and they are from Captain Marvel. It's actually mm -hmm. Captain Marvel talking. Yeah. Brie, Brie Larson gets credited in this episode. Yeah. 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 Thank, I, I watched with subtitles, and that's the only reason I knew that is because the <laughs> subtitles were translating all of that. And I'm like, that's Captain Marvel. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which uh, makes sense that she's coming back, you know, to reality from the from five years in limbo. That you know she's hearing all these voices from her past. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I chatted about it with 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 Dave before we started recording, and I, and and for me personally i almost wish they would have started with this kind of thing and then led into the the sitcoms you know it, it none of these episodes have been bad um i just thought it was a weird way to start a series so maybe giving us an intro of this is where we're starting and then leading into there's all these sitcom things happening you know um and so we all kind of discover it together because right now we discover it and then we watch them discover it in the show if yeah. they could have re-edited this so we all kind of discovered it together, kind of, I, I think it would have, for me as a viewer, it would have made me, you know, come I, on this journey a lot sooner. I'm fully on board, Scott. I don't dislike the show at all. Yeah. I just think it took a while to get to this point. Here's here's a good quick analogy of it. Um, Blade Runner. There are so many versions of Blade Runner. And the mm -hmm. one I appreciate the most is that final director's cut where we get the Harrison Ford dialogue taken out, everything. And we get the story gets to tell the story. And not told to us. Now, Greg, that doesn't mean I disagree with you. What I think, though, is to help people along at this point, because we've been away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of the pandemic for so long, 
even just a little intro of what we just saw in ep episode four, giving us a hint that this is going to help the non-comic book viewers, the people that are casual viewers, to kind of guide us into this weird sitcom world. I didn't need a whole episode four to take place first. I just needed maybe something to kind of say something weird is going on here and then yeah. get into the weird. I know yeah. it, it will be interesting because the, the launch of, of phase four was completely garbled for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. It was originally supposed to launch with Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and then they fired sure. James Gunn, right? That, that was the original plan. That was supposed to be the launch movie. Then it became yeah. Black Widow, and then there was a pandemic. Like, WandaVision was supposed to be the third or fourth Phase 4 property that we saw, yeah. and yeah. instead it's now the lead-off Phase 4 property, and it's been, you know, 18 months since we saw anything. So it will... I, I will be very interested to see... What is what it's like when we see all these other pieces that were supposed to come out prior to it? Like, were there any setup pieces that we kind of that we missed that we just kind well, of got skipped over? And it, it may yeah. have been Guardians three. It also may have been Black Widow, which was supposed yeah. to be out last May, right? Which that's now scheduled, I think, for March, but probably going to get delayed it's again. Scheduled so, for May. It's scheduled for May right now, and the signs are looking towards a delay because every other major studio property in March, April, or May, I think, has been pushed back at this point. Yeah, Black Widow so, was alone. So in the meantime, we're gonna get sure. Captain or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we're gonna get Loki now too because Loki's coming in May. So yeah. now you know Black Widow is no longer like first or maybe second on base. At the earliest, Black Widow at the, the earliest it could possibly be is fourth on base. I mean that's. That's some rejiggering of that story there that I, I you know I hope doesn't really sink that movie because I'm really excited about seeing that. One. That's the one. Yeah. I think that's probably the, the movie last year I'm most bummed about not being able to see with Black Widow. I really thought yeah. it would. Yeah. It, it does look good. I'm excited. I just I mean to your point, Greg, and I, I we talked about this in the pre-show. I am not disagreeing with it. I am legit open to everything that you're saying i just i want to see the full product before i make a, yeah. a, a final determination on how i feel about it and i yeah. also am mindful of how this was released and how it might have been set up with some foreshadowing has also been completely completely just foobarred by everything and i yeah. kind of don't blame marvel at this point just saying you know f it we got to start getting stuff out there yeah and, Fair and enough. see what happens all right. Well, I think that's as good a place to stop as any. Uh, we have talked the shit out of this episode. I hope you guys are happy. I'm getting the fingers from both Scott and Dave right now. I have one, so. I have one, last, <laughs> I have one last point I want to make. I'm going to pillow Scott here. Uh, one last point I want to make, which is uh, the ending credits. I just This was just brought to my attention. Uh, they all end at one point with a zoom in on an, the eye of the vision and in a shot from the episode and this time around it was the zombified vision that we had a, a terrifying zoom in on during the credits if you look at episodes one two and three they all also have a bit like that with a shot from the episode so i'm going to watch to see if that pattern continues and i'm curious if that means anything because usually when marvel does something recurring there is a point to it yeah good catch good catch all right thanks for listening everybody appreciate you guys uh taking your saturday morning with me here, Scott and Dave. I've talked to you guys on that one. I appreciate everybody for tuning in and listening at whatever time you decide to listen to. That was episode, I don't know, 976 of The Wretched Hive, I think, at this point. Um, Sounds right. That's uh, hard. Prove me wrong. That's all I'm saying. Prove me wrong. Guys. Thanks so much. Steve, have fun editing. See you later, buddy. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.